coming up on today's full moon episode of the Dreamer's Den podcast. As you go on, one thing that puts dream work on steroids and <laughs> puts dream work into a rapid acceleration place is when you start really making a conscious effort to do things in uh, in harmony with the dream work in response to the dream work and triggered by the dream work, but also with, with your own sort of organization in life. I've always have been so drawn to the, the ritual aspect of dream work, not necessarily meaning set an altar candle, that sort of thing, but meaning ritual, like you, like you play it out in real life. You play some aspect of it out or, or, or you imagine it. you bring it into your somatic field, you bring it out into your environment, and then you get so much more input from it. My former classmate, Joseph Fiala, doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine out in Frankfort, Kentucky. We get to talk about how we each use dream work in our practices combined with hands-on work. You'll hear about how dream work became a passion of his and how it works into his practice as an acupuncturist and also as someone who works a lot with supporting people connecting with their true nature and the life they want and the experience of life that they want. He has a couple great dream examples for you and encouragement to act on and interact with the dream. So let's get right to it. You're listening to the Dreamer's Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navarre. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org slash open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Joseph Fiala. He's a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Together with his wife, Emmeline Gray, he founded The Light Clinic in 2010, which is a healing center for integrative and holistic health in Frankfort, Kentucky. His study of dreams began with his hometown dream group and continued through the Hayden Institute in Asheville, North Carolina. Joseph is an avid dreamer, both waking and sleeping, and an inspired entrepreneur. He's helped start and grow multiple hospitality businesses over the past five years. Both in and out of the clinic, his goal is to help others tap into their inner power and find ways to let their true nature shine through and manifest as the life they want. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you for talking with me. Thanks, Leilani. Good to be here. So I'd love to ask you first how and when you first realized that dreams matter to you. Yeah, that, that is a brilliant starting question, and I appreciate that you have that consistency in a starting question too, because it's a, it's so interesting to hear different responses. Um, for me, well, there's, you know, earlier dreams, I always had a lot of dreams as a child, um, but I wasn't, 
I didn't have the resources at that time to understand what it's like to work with them uh, or that that's even a, a possibility <laughs> to work with mm -hmm. them. Uh, it's very interesting now having a five-year-old, almost six, and to follow her dreams mm -hmm. is pretty fantastic to be able to, you know, every morning be like, do you have any dreams? <laughs> and we can yeah. all talk about our dreams together as a family. And it's been pretty wonderful to, to have that going with her. Um, but I think for me personally, it was, it was a little bit later on. So I sort of ignored the dreams for a while and it's now after Chinese medicine school and moving back to, um, to Frankfurt, Kentucky, our home and starting a practice there and getting married at the same time and, and all these big life events. And Emmeline joined a, a dream group, my wife, Emmeline, she joined a dream group in town, which is a wonderful dream group. And in that, I kind of got roped in. <laughs> she was having such a, such an amazing experience with it. And she was starting to get some mentorship with um, the main, uh, the head of the, the dream group. Um, and she thought that it would be very useful and, and you know with the strain of business and and the beginning of marriage and all that starting a, a family it was it was a really good time for it so i so i just showed up with kind of an open mind and and it inevitably started sparking dreams right so some more interesting dreams than i'd been having so one of my first dreams there was a was one of those great alien dreams mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> with uh right with uh spaceships coming in and blasting scorching the earth and <laughs> blasting everything and kind of running into a hotel so um, that was really interesting one of my first dreams to to then bring that in and to have the dream group with the projective dream work method to have that that going and then to hear from people oh yeah that that can happen when you're starting this kind of work you know there's new new things coming into your consciousness and it's it can really it can really repattern the terrain of your mind and your psyche and yeah hotel sure that could be like a temporary place that you go and I'm like wow hold on this means something this is uh -huh. amazing <laughs> um so that that was that was a big one um just for starting but I think I think yeah I'm, I'm giving you a barrage of dreams I hope that's okay oh this, I love um, it yeah yeah <laughs> but I think where I really got into realizing how much the dreams mattered at a deeper level to me uh, was right after I'd made the decision to to do the Hayden dream work training in North Carolina and I had just received my acceptance to it that night I had a dream and it was a, a big moving dream where we were packing up this big house and I am so I'm in the attic and I'm packing these boxes and it's all this old stuff from my life, uh, toys and video games, things from when I was a kid, but also things from my family, my father's work files and boxes and boxes of all these things. And I'm packing them all up and I start bringing them down all the stairs from the attic and bringing them down and bringing them down uh, to the base level. And then I'm carrying them out. And, and as I'm carrying these boxes, each box, I can't really see the stairs in front of me. 
And so I start counting them to be able to know how many I'm going through. And I remember I was getting to 33 stairs and then it started, uh, and then I would be at the ground level, but then it started changing. It was like 33 to 34 to 35. So it ended up being this 33 to 35 kind of stairs. And I'm packing these boxes out and then handing them off to um, David, who is a, who, who ended up doing the, who is a friend of mine and who ended up doing the dream training alongside me. So we went through that whole thing and I handed it to him and we're packing up a car together. And when I get down there, there's uh, there, there are people our age, but they're, they're all drinking, they're drinking beers, hanging out. And I'm, I'm very notably not drinking at this time. And then we're packing everything up and David keeps saying, you know, be very careful with all, it's all this Chinese medicine stuff that I'm giving him. And he's, he's saying, be very careful with that. It's going to end up in a museum one day. <laughs> um, so I'm handing it all out, but that, that dream and working that dream, I, I, I realized that the, that my age, it was a two-year program and it lined up exact with my age. I was 31 oh. and a half at the time. And I ended up not starting the program until I was 33 and then, uh, and then at last it was a two-year program, went to 35. And then there was this big shift that I got with that dream of also coming down the stairs from, from the attic. And this, for me, it was a real, it was a real pertinent time in my life where I came from, from the kind of high levels of thinking, not high as in clarity, but more like up in the clouds sort of thinking, not very grounded to mm -hmm. to really coming into reality and really coming into embodiment and taking some more conscious role in my life and the direction so there's this really like coming down thing that was happening and david was there to guide me and and then there was also the you know that drinking happening and i wasn't drinking so that was also this feeling of a sort of clarity of consciousness that was starting to happen and coming out of this sort of drunkenness of the abstract just kind of being lost in the web of the world sort of thing that was definitely a dream that uh, that really told me how much dreams were really going to offer and gift me and and be there for me and along unfolding journeys and time and uh, mm -hmm. moving like that. So that one really hit for me, and then and then that that deepened my connection with the the dream work. So then um, I was totally open. I wanted dreams like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's an amazing dream. I, I really, we could spend our entire um, conversation on this dream. I'm sure you've already had lots of sure. time with it, but um, I will say one thing I love mm -hmm. about it is that this 33 to 35 step journey is downward because mm -hmm. so much dream imagery and even the way we speak metaphorically journeys are going up and it touches me that in this dream, in my imagined version of your dream, you know, I'm coming down um, and that is my progress. That's what comes next. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that was so important for me at the time to be, to be coming out of the clouds and, and to be coming into a more grounded layer of consciousness to meet the world there. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we could, take a little snippet from that dream and let it lead us into something I really want to ask you about, which is weaving together the Chinese medicine practice and the dream work. So you're in this dream, 
you said there's there are boxes of Chinese medicine things that are coming mm-hmm. on the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with that. So where I I sort of settled that's still an open question because uh-huh. it was like a maybe one day these will be in a museum sort of thing. And and there's there's definitely the one aspect of where the ego pops up and is like, oh, I'll be so great. I'm in a museum and everyone will. <laughs> but but I, I actually tended to look at it more like um, like maybe, you know, as even as we're starting the clinic and moving into that, that maybe Chinese medicine as a as 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 it is might not be the only thing in my mm-hmm. life. You know, it might not be the the only thing so I I feel a little, a little more like it was a maybe you know this this ends up not being such a functional thing but more something that you can still have and mm-hmm. honor and cherish there but yeah yeah so and I, and I definitely see that playing out I mean Chinese medicine is very very much a part of what we do and how we meet the world and how we meet people and that will that will remain there's no foreseeable uh stop at this point to that because that the growth and that we've gotten from that is amazing and the and we just love working with people and that is a profound as you know a profound uh deep way to work with people and to meet people in a very honest healing space Mm -hmm. so but but transformation you know adding the dream work in to the chinese medicine practice and uh, and all this other consciousness work that we do and, and just all the, all the things that we, we have, we have a lot of things going on, family, yeah. family constellation work and working with astrology and all, all sorts of things can be brought in. Wow. Yeah. I, I love the image of the museum because I, I relate to you both in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. There's Chinese medicine is core to how I interact with people and help people and really how I view the human being and the whole universe, right? The cosmology, you and I didn't have classes together, but we had the same teachers. And then we did Ed Neal's program together. And really the way Dr. Neal Mm -hmm. weaves the cosmology of Chinese medicine to be a way of seeing, you know, the breath of nature and all of existence. I feel steeped in that, you know, I could never not see the world and dreams in that way. And Mm -hmm you know, what you talk about wanting to s- people to know their true nature and have the life they want and be really happy. You know, that's what I'm coming more and more to is I love seeing people light up, you know, get. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's so much, you know, you can relieve someone's back pain, but fundamentally they're still miserable and that's not so satisfying <laughs> to me, you know, <laughs> right. I, I want to see people, you know, thriving. So, so I, right. I relate to you on that. Some of these other tools are so profound for people coming into the life they want. Absolutely. And it's amazing. And then like, like you've, I've heard you say with the, that the conversation just, you know, drops to a deeper level when you start working with the dream. Right. And then it's that, it's that, it's that same thing in the treatment. It just drops to a deeper level. If you bring the dream into it if you, and it's such a great segue it is such a great segue for people it doesn't work with everyone that's okay mm-hmm. but but it is just such a great segue when you know you know <laughs> that there's so much more going on and and the person wants to bring it up and you can feel that but finding the right transition tool 
yeah. to to bringing some of those things up because there's there's also you know a lot of patients will come in and and they will have their own predefined view of what you do and they're they're not sure what the scope of it is they'd love to work on these things but they're also like wondering if you just work on back pain and that's okay but right. so when you create those openings but you know some simple questions and like do you dream yeah uh, it's just it's such an amazing segue and and then it can it can open things up to such deep levels so how do you typically work or maybe it's not typical maybe it varies every yeah. time but if you have someone on the table and you're working with their body you know doing acupuncture mm-hmm. or some kind of manual work what is what does it mean to you to follow a dream in a physical way in in the body yeah um so dreams are especially when you get dreams that that have some charge for someone it it can't help but be somatic it can't help but be rooted in the body it just it just is that's part of it so when you are a body worker as acupuncturists are uh, to varying degrees, but acupuncture in itself is an amazing form of body work, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is body work. Yeah. Um, and, and when you do hands-on as well, and when you move, move into that zone of, of just like Dr. Neil uh, speaks about, it's just how you look at the body and you read the body and the breath of the body and the breath of the tissues and every needle that you do, you're watching for how the body responds and you're watching for whether the body is liking that or if it's not liking that, you're looking for the restrictions and you're looking to see with every needle or every set of needles, is it getting better or is it not? We're mm-hmm. always looking for that resolve, right? And following yep. the body. So it's the same uh, same application to working the dreams. So so you, I love doing it with, with hands-on, uh, whether that's a hand, I always like to one place, you know, maybe two hands at the back of the head, sort of in the craniosacral uh, sort of vein where mm-hmm. you're feeling throughout the body. But I always love, I always love also being uh, on the side of a person, especially on the person's left side, where I can get my right hand sort of under their shoulder blade or kind of towards that upper thoracic spine, and then my left hand can either be at the under the thigh or maybe even in the lower spine or, or around the hip. That That's such a good reading space for me as well. But whatever it is, then you just, you work the person through the dream and just ha- have them retell the dream. And it's amazing to, um, have you done this? Is this something you do? Yeah, I, not exactly yeah. as you're describing with the hand placement and reading in that way, but I'll often be doing sure. craniosacral work as we explore a dream. And it's isn't a, it amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then just so walking through that that dream and and feeling for me, it's just it's so it's so clear when you feel different parts of the dream, uh, where they settle in different parts of the body, and then when you get to the apex of the dream or the highest energy moments and and then you get to those tension spots in the dream and you just feel it going up and down and you feel them high in their in their throat or even in their head and then they're like dropping down into their chest and maybe even going down into their belly and maybe it gets it ends up kind of sticking in the belly and it's a it's a dream that ends up kind of imbued with 
you know, some worry or fear or doubt or things like that. And, and then they end up getting in, into an eventual kind of sticky point in the dream or something like that. So, so then reading it and looking where it goes and then looking for resolve. But then once you, you identify a person somatically with it, uh, I love to also try to have that person engage with it somatically where they can become aware of it, start breathing into it. We can direct our work into it. We can look for resolve just the same way as, as I was saying that you put in a set of needles and look for, did that make it better or not? Then it's, you say something, <laughs> you mm -hmm. say, well, maybe it could be like this. And you see if that changes it or not. And then you can see if it hits right into that wall or if it moves into a different place that, that actually gives it a place to go. Uh, so it, it is, it is beautiful. I've, I've really appreciated having that, uh, having that as another tool. To yeah. It, yeah. Is that similar to, to where you go with it or where do you go? Yeah, I do. So when I'm doing craniosacral work and we're doing the dream work, it's, it sort of moves between the dream work that I might do with someone online, which is completely verbal, you know, and maybe I can just mm -hmm. see from the chest up and, you know, you can see a lot by watching someone's face and seeing how they move their mm -hmm. shoulders, but it's nothing like what you can feel when, you know, what I can feel when my hands are either feeling the cranial rhythm or doing kind of what we, what we call for the listeners, you probably know this, but dural tube traction where you're feeling at the base of the skull and can kind of feel down the whole spine. So I, it varies depending on the person I'm talking to, you know, sometimes the dream will, as they're narrating it, will bring my craniosacral work to a different place. I think like what you're saying, where you're following the dream mm -hmm. to that spot, you know, and then I'll go maybe around their, uh, the bottom of their rib cage and help that release. Cause that was sort of revealing itself to me to be related to the dream. And the dream is always revealing to us, whatever the most important thing is that's going on. So yeah, I, I guess it weaves together the verbal and sort of watching for their aha moments and totally. Yeah. And I, I do love being able to point out to people what I notice them doing that they may not be conscious of, as I appreciate when people are listening to one of my dreams and they say, oh, I just want to mimic what you did with your hands. Do you want to amplify that? And, you know, I might not realize that I did that with my hands or they might not realize they started shifting their feet and tensing them up because it was so uncomfortable to mm -hmm. talk about this part and to go to those, those movement parts too. I do that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And it's it's so nice to, it's so, it's such an, a natural progression, right? I guess it's, it always is to use the tools that you have and to start working into joining them together. But it, it feels so natural to work dreams in the body. And there, there's something that's so, um, so fulfilling about doing that as well. You're taking it out of the, the very mental, because a lot, a lot of times I, I've found for my, for me personally, that dream groups can sometimes get a little too cerebral and it, and it ends up, this is a big thing I had with the Hayden Institute and they've done such a good job of addressing this in the most mm -hmm. beautiful ways. But I, I, it was very, when I went through the program, it was very cerebral and it was a lot of time sitting on your bottom just a lot of time mm -hmm. sitting on your bottom mm -hmm. talking 
And uh, so sitting in one class or lecture and listening and then it's sitting in dream groups and and there the the steps towards embodiment, towards feeling the dreams as they work through your body, through working with your your own consciousness and direction with meditation and visualizations and and I and when I was there, we introduced shaking and we started doing shaking in the dream groups uh, and in in between classes to break it up as well. And I would lead people through shaking, and they've brought in meditation and they've done a and, and hiking as well. And they they've done a lot of work to to take steps towards making the dream work more embodied. And I, I think dream work really thrives there because when we feel good in our bodies and when when our bodies when it's flowing in our body when we've got that dilated blood vessel <laughs> circulatory flow happening then we're we are a lot more in tune with our dreams because our, our dreams speak to us through so many senses and so mm -hmm. so much more than than just the brain and the analytical thinking part yeah yeah and the the analytical part i think sometimes isn't well, it's always kind of fun and intriguing to me, but sometimes it might mm -hmm. not be necessary at all. I've, I also use the shaking Qigong, which is something you and I, did you learn that also mm -hmm. at NCNM? Oh yeah. Absolutely. From that? yeah. yeah. Okay. So this, we, we have the same lineage of shaking, <laughs> shaking Qigong. <laughs> and, um, I'll do that sometimes where it just feels like a strong emotion has come up. And as we know, through Chinese medicine, the emotions get processed by the different organ systems and can cause stagnation when they're, they're not fully moving and the shaking Qigong, you know, with the sounds, let's say to release grief from the lungs. I feel like that can be all that a dream is asking for sometimes, you know, just move mm -hmm. this big emotion and the shaking is such a nice way to do that. It really is. It's, it's phenomenal. That whole shaking cures a hundred diseases or a hundred categories of disease or whatever. Yeah. It's just, it is, it really is amazing what it can do. And, and there's so much, you know, we, there's so much to go into there with, with complexes and the, and the fascial body and, and how our, our complexes, like the webbing connections in our minds, reaching down in archetypes and past experiences and connecting them with our personal unconscious and all those connections that we have that that then go into when somebody says the word mother, how you feel and how you think, yeah. or <laughs> you know, all those connections going on there. The same thing is so physical. We are just that we have this external manifestation. It's not as if the the mind is separate and you feel that in your body too. That your body has that same reaction. Your fascial patterning is is like a big complex through your body as well. And so whenever you shake, you are, you are working on releasing the grip of those fascial complexes and allowing them to fall off you and allowing yourself to be free and to breathe and for that light to flow through your body. It's really, there's nothing better. Oh, shake that's, it. come on. <laughs> yeah, that's so well described. I love your, your metaphor there with the mental associations and complexes. That's great. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you too, I know you don't do a lot of, you know, dream interpretation per se through the lens of, of Chinese medicine symbols, but since I have a Chinese medicine practitioner here with me, I want to <laughs> run a couple of things by you and just see what you think. Okay. Um, I've seen in dream groups, well, I'm thinking of one in particular where this dreamer had a bitter food. I want to say it was 
like a turnip or a radish. It was a root, and but the flavor was bitter, experienced in the dream. And then there was something that happened with the eyes in the dream and something that happened with the ears. And then there was the color green. So I start thinking about this classic herbal formula we all have to learn in school, Xiao Chai Hutong, which treats, you know, which the, the, the pattern in the classics is talks about the eyes, ears, and throat and a bitter taste in the mouth and the color green, which goes with the, the classic description doesn't talk about the color green, but it's about the liver and gallbladder networks, which resonate with green, right? So this person had no Chinese medicine experience, but I've seen a few things like that where they're almost describing the core symbolism about how we were taught to look at, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And uh, I feel like that can guide us to, as practitioners to what they need, you know, to sort of where the action is. Right. That is, that is very interesting. uh, That, that kind of connection. I I have not, I haven't encountered that or, or been, had the awareness to, to look at that Mm -hmm. to this Mm -hmm. point, but I will now, I'm sure one of the next dreams I hear is a clear classical (laughs) formula indication. (laughs) Yeah. And another, another thing that comes up maybe more often, if I'm looking for it is hints in the dream about which networks are involved, you know, a lot of water Mm -hmm. in the dream or a lot of water, but then this metal pole or a a piece of construction equipment digging in the ditch or something that kind of nudges me to think about, let's say, earth, metal, and water channels in the body. And, you know, I I wouldn't say it's any more helpful than the pulse or the tongue or them telling me their story or listening to the sound of their voice, but it seems like one just as important kind of information about where the energies are moving and not moving. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it, it does at the very least, it really does open a, 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 your opens your mind to what these earth elements encompass or the water elements encompass Mm -hmm. because as you're, as you do look at the dream, in that way, yes, sure, sure, maybe like the water's rising and they're they're almost drowning. And yes, maybe that's some unconscious things coming in or, or feeling like, you know, they are, they're overwhelmed or, or something's coming over, over them and that the unconscious with the water and things like that coming in. Mm-hmm. But that that also is a direct aspect of kidney health and bladder health. Yeah. That that it all and that it does all go together i think that is i think that is the it's a it it is a dynamite connection and way to to work and i think it's a great place to be exploring um i i tend personally just in my practice I, i go so much to the the body that um that i yeah just in the method and the the way that i've got with my flow uh, it, it's nice to have as much information as possible, but, but I also really, I zone in so much to, to what that is at that point. And I know you, you do too, uh, the, to what they need in that moment, right? That's because yeah. we yeah. value that so much and the information is so helpful. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that is really interesting though, Leon. I think it's the right time for me to hear it again. And, uh, cool. 
and I will look at that a little bit more. So I do really appreciate that. I'll, I can share with you and I'll, I'll point listeners to a more accessible form of this, but I have notes from Jeffrey Yuan, the Taoist priest who teaches about dreams in Chinese medicine. And also Bob Quinn really influenced me in thinking this way, but how, you know, for example, the downward direction, walking down those stairs with all that stuff right there, we have metal and earth because earth is stuff, (laughs) you know, just the accumulation Mm -hmm. of things and the downward direction is metal. Jeffrey Yuan talks about recognizing which elements are at play through things, not just the physical element, but the motions and the, um, the colors and the sort of the gestures of the dream telling us where the energy is and yeah, just something to have in there, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a, it's really nice to have as much information as possible. And, and it is amazing how multifaceted these images are right. These holographic images in the dreams that we get. And that's where the projective dream work is so helpful too, where you get so many different angles from so many people and, um, and then bring it all together. But yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I love it. And let's talk a little bit too about um, something I think you spend more time on, which is consciousness and intentions and kind of how we relate to our thoughts and anything you want to say about visualizations? Yeah, this is definitely where, yeah, I, I, I tend to spend, yeah, a good bit of time working this because it's, it's so productive as well. It's just, I mean, me, it's just a partner with DreamWork. Like DreamWork is fantastically amazing and has been one of the guiding lights for me in my life. And I attribute so much to it. I, I really feel it's at such a deep level that it is one of the most important things that we can do in life as a human is, is to do this work. Uh, when you start getting tapped into it mm-hmm. because it just leads you through everything. And it's, it's really led me through. So, so with dream work being so amazing, but I do feel like it, it, it needs to be partnered with consciousness work and dream work super takes you through one big layer of consciousness work. And it can, it can be the thing that points to your unfolding of things in the conscious world and your intentions. But uh, I think it, it is, there's different, there's different levels as you get in dream work, right? So as you, as you start doing dream work, um, it, you can have a progression to a certain degree but but sometimes we get stuck in a place where we're interacting with our dreams but we're not necessarily letting a lot into our conscious world we might still be trying to hold on to very similar conscious views and using the dream work to help start just gradually unwinding those complexes inside ourselves or maybe start gradually working on some shadow work and bringing that to light Um, but as as you go on, one thing that puts dream work on steroids and <laughs> puts dream work <laughs> into a rapid acceleration place is when you start really making the a conscious effort to do things in uh, in harmony with the dream work, in response to the dream work, and triggered by the dream work, but also with with your own sort of organization in life. And this this goes a little bit to where 
like Robert Johnson, where he talks about um, the ritual and how important the ritual is. I always have been so drawn to that, mm. the ritual aspect of dream work and, and how he places that in such an incredibly important, intricate, cannot take it out of dream work sort of importance to do ritual with your dream not necessarily meaning set an altar candle that sort of thing but meaning ritual like you like you play it out in real life you play some aspect of it out or, or you imagine that you bring it into your somatic field you bring it out into your environment and then you get so much more input from it yeah um, and so with that I remember this one Oh, there's this beautiful dream that I, I had. I was working that I didn't have it. I'm sorry. A friend had, and she was working at, in our dream group. And there was this one part where she was trying to find these buttons on an elevator. And I, I always remember that dream. It's so great. And, and as she was trying to find them, she just got stuck in the dream and she couldn't really remember. It felt like very powerful. It felt like something. So we just decided to go to an elevator. So, uh -huh. we, so we, we, we went to an elevator and uh, had her try to hit the buttons like she was doing in the dream and we just sort of set the space and did that and then inevitably the elevator sort of opened up and then she went to step out she was holding a cup of coffee she went to step out and she had delayed a little bit on the elevator just chatting and then she, she went to step out the doors started to close on her and they hit her and she spilled the coffee and she got, got all jumbled up and then we had to open it and, and got back out but huh. then we had this whole other layer of you know, there was a, there was something going on where it was like, there's a, there was this opportunity opening for her in her life. And she was at this point where there was this hesitation. It was like this, you know, first you've got the coffee, which means like some get up and go, but then there was this hesitation that she was having and, and the doors were like closing and she kind of got like tra it's trapped. And so was, she had to speed up and it was this thing where she just got this spur to action. But so her big insight from the dream came not from the dream, which she couldn't really remember very well, but from a ritual, from externalizing the dream and bringing it into the conscious world. Mm -hmm. and that, I think that's a, a, a really nice example, but I see that, I see that consistently too. It, it, it's so important, just the same way that Robert Johnson says that it's not a, it's not a prayer unless your lips move. Uh -huh. and, and I love that so much. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. Um, that, that idea that things need to be brought out to be integrated so we can do this internal work, but we also need to be doing the internal external work <laughs> and, yeah. our, and our external work in general. So what I do with like visualizations and setting intentions and uh, thought training is, is to, is, is helping the idea is to, to help get us out of, of the sort of the loops, right? Um, so even when you're, when you're dreaming and working on dreams, you can still be in a loop. And we're always in loops. I'm in a loop. We're all in a loop. <laughs> we're all looping in some way. But it's mm -hmm. just how conscious are you making your loops? Are the loops gripping you? Are they overtaking you? So, you know, so, we, so you look at everything like we're in a, a sea of complexes and we're just living as a web of complexes and we're in a web of complexes complexes and that's some of them are, are 
connect with our consciousness or on a conscious level. A lot of them are unconscious. Some of them are personal, some of them are collective, but there's all these complexes that are constantly playing out. And as we go along through life, we a lot of people are looping, right? In the same four to five complexes, and that might even be generous, but, but like some, some, sometimes they'll come into your life and then we're just, we end up just responding to these things over and over. It's a very unconscious kind of way of living uh, where uh, we're just constantly being driven by what comes up that day and, and someone sparks something and then we feel overloaded and we have this complex of feeling, you know, feeling constantly beat down by life. And so everything that comes in just triggers that complex over and over. And then we feel happy for a moment and then something happens, triggers that complex or, you know, and we might have mm-hmm. a couple primary ones that we're just back and forth sort of flipping into and, and dream work. One of the helpful things with dream work, right. Is it helps pierce, uh, pierce those complexes a little bit. It helps give you a little insight and clarity and an ability to start changing them. But also, you know, it's, there's a, there's a reflective, just inherently reflective attribute to dream work where we are we are reflecting on things we're going into them we're analyzing them we're working them we're trying to unfold them but but a lot of it is 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 giving us a of a perspective and a lens into it but so the so when you're when you're trying to change those complexes um working with them bringing light to them definitely has an amazing effect just just doing that some of them will start to unfold, but a lot of the complexes that are really deeply, deeply driven, nailed into our bodies, <laughs> then a lot of those complexes need very conscious work to be done. And that's the work of our ego in a lot of ways. That's the work of our ego. And the ego gets a super bad rap, right? It should <laughs> not get such a, such a bad rap as it does sometimes, but it does get a bad rap. Um, but uh, can becoming comfortable with the word ego is a very important thing in a person's life I think but the ego is our it's our controller of our conscious world it, it it is it's the boss of the workplace of our mind and when our a lot of times when we're in these these complex sort of loops what we're, what's happening is it's like a very disorganized workplace in our mind where people are coming into the boss's office over and over from all directions and, and with this problem or that problem or this question or this thing and the ego is basically putting out fires all day. It's responding to as many things as it can, but it, it's just overall, it's, it's tons of input and no direction. There's no direction. So, so we just end up in these loops where then we wake up the next day and we kind of play out the same things and <laughs> we keep playing them out day after day, day after day. And dream work can help give us some, you know, reflective nature into this, and it can help us start piercing holes in that so we can start changing things. But when you also really get into taking a conscious effort into cleaning up that workplace, cleaning up the workplace of our mind and putting, putting real conscious effort into that, that is a beautiful partner with the dream, dream work. And that means, that means that you start cultivating what you're your dominant, your dominating thoughts are. You start cultivating them in your in your mind, and when and when the thoughts are coming up that that might not serve you as well, you start kind of plucking those like weeds a little bit. You start to you start to guard in your mind 
in a way where you're really putting a lot of emphasis and a lot of focus on the plants that you want to grow and the setup that you want to grow. And that, that means functionally, like thinking about where you want to be in life, thinking about your outcome first, thinking about, you know, what you want it to look like in five years, what you want it to look like in 10 years, what, and getting very clear on that. It's amazing how many people have almost zero clarity on where they want to go in life, like exactly what they want to be. There's, there's so much openness to different possibilities that a lot of times we end up not choosing anything. And then in that zone, we sort of, that's how our life plays out. It just kind of bounces a little bit here to there, never really going anywhere <laughs> in some ways. But so when you set those, when you get really clear about what you do want and and that means that doesn't necessarily mean it can, but it doesn't necessarily mean I want a million dollars and a, a Porsche or I, I want, you know, or I want to mm-hmm. live in Hawaii. It doesn't, it, it, but it means like, how do you want to feel? Yeah. Like I, w- I want to feel strong. I want to feel self-sufficient. I want to feel joyful. I want to feel abundant. I want to feel vibrantly healthy. I want to feel blessed with wealth. I want, I want, I want to, that's all I want to feel. And then you start driving that into your psyche by, through conscious intention, by waking up in the morning and spending some time shaking and thinking about how you want to feel and repeating things like affirmations, but not just dry. Like you have to feel them in your body. Mm -hmm. You have to change your biochemistry. Right. And then, and getting into that, really feeling that in, in, in canting it. And then you do it at night, you do it throughout the day. And then when thoughts poke up and it's like, you know, thoughts that come up that make you feel weak, you know that you've got to start plucking those thoughts out and then you replace them. So you, you, you remove them and you replace them with, with something more positively charged with something that gives you some really good, good gusto, some good energy. And uh, so anything negative coming up, you try to try to cut it as quick as you can, because these are, these are weeds that will grow and take over the garden. And, and you want to keep focusing on the things that you're gardening on. So that, that to me goes, and there's plenty, let me say one last thing about that, which is that there are plenty of really long-standing time-tested methods for developing our consciousness. A lot of the religious texts point to them. Um, the Bhagavad Gita is fantastic. Have you read the Bhagavad Gita? Have you I never have. No. Yeah, it it would be worth it, especially after the you know the dream work where you you know you're past that threshold and in in that conscious life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bhagavad Gita is is ridiculous because in the Indian culture is so fantastically gifted at being very detailed and categorical. And, and and really, so they really spell things out. It's very different from our Chinese, our classical Chinese texts, which are also great in the Tao Te Ching and things like that. But they're where they're very cryptic. abstract and open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cryptic, exactly. <laughs> but the Indian culture is very like, they just tell you <laughs> mm-hmm. as clearly as they can. And you either get it or you don't. And when you're ready, you start to get more. And so you just keep reading these things and you get more and more. But, but this, and, but then, and then there's modern things. I mean, these, these thought training things have come through, you know, to, to the modern world. And this is where a lot of positive psychology sort of stuff comes into the modern world as well. Um, But when you're, there's, 
two different places when you're in that when you're in that place where the ego is sort of at the whim of a disorganized workplace when when we're letting those complexes go and we might not be creating very conscious uh, direction for them then you know what do the dreams look like then versus once you are getting clarity and this is a big process that we all go through but the you know the dreams when you're just looping in complexes just keep pointing out the complexes a lot of times there's themes right. that continue over and over there's a lot of ego anxiety dreams right like the the running or drowning or you know being threatened to be killed but getting away and that sort of stuff it's you know you get to the good stuff when you actually get killed in your dreams right uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah but and but yeah. then once it changes once you start taking really a lot of that conscious control then you get into that you get into the that progression that young talked about or where you know you've got the shadow dreams and the animus dreams or anima dreams and then moving in and you're just unwinding complexes after complex and you're they're bringing them to your attention so that you can then bring take them into your into your living room or wherever you do your meditation in the morning or and you take them there and you're like okay i'm going to work on this one what are the balancing thoughts balancing affirmations what are the balancing things that i need to bring into this situation to create resolve with this complex and then you work it you work it every morning every night you work it during the day and you just and you keep plucking the thoughts as they go and it's just a beautiful way. It's like, it's like thought training, it's thought shaping, but mm-hmm. we have an amazing amount of control over our thoughts, but a lot of times we don't employ it. We don't actually take control of our thoughts, but if we want to, it's there for the taking. Yeah. That's, I love your metaphors. I'm, I'm getting these visions of the whole process as a gardening process or as the workplace, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like a dream. I can imagine the dream where the boss is just overwhelmed by people with questions and, you know, doing a poor job of things or all kinds of confusion and office conflicts, right? And what it looks like for that workplace to shift. Um, and I love that you point out that the dreams can show us these things really clearly but then to go get in the elevator and see what happens or take it to the cushion and meditate or shake it out and then, you know, fill yourself with the thoughts and feelings and vibrations that you want to have is a step Absolutely. that really allows the, the insights from the dreams to change us, change our lives, you know? Absolutely. And it works. It works so beautifully well. Because you you change your biochemistry when you have when whenever you're stuck in dark thinking and negative thoughts, your body is reacting to that. And when you and whatever you're you're bringing in, you're you're magnetizing to yourself. You know, so you're you're in a constant state of worry or doubt or fear. Your body is reacting to that. Your kidneys mm-hmm. are reacting to that. Your stomach's yep. reacting to that. And then as you as you break that pattern and, and you start. Even if you think, you know, a lot of times people have that, that thing at, at the beginning where they think they're kidding themselves or they're, they're, uh-huh. they're pulling the wool over their eyes just to, to try to like act like they're feeling positive. But that's, that's what it takes is because you have to start, it feels foreign, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start with teaching your body how to feel joy again, just, just unadulterated joy, just joy that you are not apologizing for joy that you 100% in every cell of your body feel like you deserve. 
and not feeling unworthy, not feeling guilty to feel joy, all that sort of stuff. You have to train your body. And, and that starts by making a conscious intention to do it and then doing it, practicing it. So you literally practice training your body how to feel joy again. And then you start building a, a new joy complex. <laughs> and it's a functional yeah. complex. It's a complex that you like. It's one of the functional complexes, you know? Yeah, it's a good habit. It's the habit you want your body to default to. Right. Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I really resonate with that. It's some of these patterns. And I, I just want to highlight that you said stuck in a state of worry or fear, right? I, mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of any messaging and I don't think this is what you're saying, but just to kind of make it explicit of anything that says like, oh, we shouldn't be angry or we shouldn't be sad because those mm -hmm. are negative emotions, right? When anger comes up, ideally it moves us to some kind of action. And ideally when grief is happening, we just go into it and feel it and let it move. But when we're stuck in these states, right? Of worry and fear, and it becomes the habit, just like you were talking about with working the dream in people's bodies, that's a physical state of being. It's a habitual state of being. So I just love that phrase, Absolutely. training the body to feel joy, not just the mind. And, you know, it's the body has to feel joy. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for saying that. I would, I would definitely be um, a little bit, a sad complex would, would creep in in me if, uh, if that hadn't <laughs> been clarified that I'm not saying the emotions are bad at all. Yeah, you, yeah. you said that beautifully. Yeah. Emotions are amazing and they're, they're natural and <laughs> it's, yeah, it, there's nothing wrong with having emotions. It is exactly like you said, it's just about being able to move through them. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Well, we could go on and on. I want to talk about all kinds of dream examples with you, but for the moment, we should probably wrap up. So um, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners? Any thoughts you want to leave us with? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think we've, we've covered, covered the bases on that. I think we've got all the thoughts out. I, I do want to say that I super appreciate what you are doing. And I, I really have felt a lot of connection uh, in listening to, to some of your past podcasts and get an idea of the show. I'm so glad to be introduced to it, but I really feel like what you're doing is, is, is an amazing introduction to a, a different, to the modern world in a different form that in a lot of ways only you could do and it's just it's just perfect i really really appreciate what you've set up the container that you are making and i am yeah, a big fan and supporter of your work so keep oh. on keep on going <laughs> thank you so much thank that's uh, that really touches me and obviously i couldn't do it without all the amazing dream workers that are out there it's such a time for a flourishing of this work which is it's just exciting and beautiful to be a part of it and getting to connect with all these people all over the place, Amazing. diving deep into dreams. It's just miraculous. Absolutely. Yep. If anyone wants to, um, to get in touch with you after this or learn more about what you're doing or your clinic in Frankfurt, where's the best place to find you online? Yeah. The, our clinic is called the light clinic. And, uh, that was a, name that my wife dreamed of when we were in Chinese medicine school. And I actually and, uh, remember her telling me that dream. Yeah. <laughs> the light clinic. Yeah. The light clinic, L-I-G-H-T. But the lightclinic.org is our website and people are always, always free to 
email me at joseph at the Okay, wonderful. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Joseph and I would love to hear what you thought about this conversation. Comment on the show notes at thedreamersden.org slash 27 or post in the Dreamers Den free Facebook group. Feel free to share any insights or aha moments you had or questions that came up for you or just what you think about what we were talking about. I'll be back on the new moon with another Chinese medicine related episode all about food and feeding ourselves and cooking and seeking nourishment in dreams. So I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.